my little strangelings. On this podcast, I discuss the world's folklore, myths, legends, and superstitions. I explore what these stories meant to the cultures that shared them, the different uses of lore in our modern day entertainment, and the history of it all. Welcome to Folklore Friday. Hello, my little strange links. Welcome back. I'm your host, Megan. And today I'm joined by my husband, Chris. Hello, everyone. Okay. And I wanted to thank my listeners from all these different countries. The United States. The United Kingdom. Canada. Belgium. Australia. France. Slovenia. Japan. Singapore. Austria. Germany. Greece. India. The Netherlands. Russia. And Thailand. Woo-woo! That's exciting. And unknown. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that means. There's a little part that says unknown. One listener. So maybe I have like a scientist in Antarctica. Maybe they're on the space station. Ooh. (laughs) They're listening to my (laughs) alien episode. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So thank you. I appreciate it. And message me. Message me on Instagram if there's topics that you want to hear about. I'm always open. And when I do get those messages, it's really exciting because usually they're asking about something that I don't know anything about. So it gives me an opportunity to learn and research. And today we're talking about the story of Cupid. Now, I I thought this would be a good idea to do Cupid during the month of February since last time I covered Valentine's Day. And I'm trying a new thing where I'm talking about what I knew about the topic before I researched it, because you guys get this version of what I know after I've researched. Well-educated version, which is the best version for the audience to have, (laughs) though it could be interesting to do a podcast of us guessing at things. (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) I think maybe this uh, I heard once. You know, yeah, that, exactly. that, that kind of information, <laughs> just, though, I think most people respect the other one. Yeah, it's just I think I think this. Yeah. So what I knew about Cupid before this was not a lot. Just your standard Valentine's Day card, fat baby cherub with little arrows that would put love spells on people. And I always thought of it as a comedic story type storytelling type of I don't know tool that he was this comic relief that would come in and like mess everything up and so that was that was the extent of it what about you I did have an understanding as Cupid as a Greek god and and son of um, God so I had a vague understanding about the story that you're about to hear though not as detailed as what we were able to find out about. So I knew some aspects of it more than it just being him like a little cherub angel type of thing. So I had some understanding of that, but I I wouldn't say I completely knew the the story. Mm -hmm. So my first introduction to the, the fact that he is a Greek god was I was watching the show Legacies, which, oh my gosh, if you like my podcast, then you'll like Legacies. And they have this really awesome part of the show where there's kind of like a 
creature of the week, creature feature, every episode there's this new threat. And so they pull in so many different like supernatural stuff and then things from storytelling. And they had this really nightmarish version of Cupid, but it wasn't Cupid. It was the Roman god counterpart, which is named Eros. And that's E-R-O-S, because I thought it was Eros, A-R-R-O-W-S, which would have been rad. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just the Romans took all of the Greek gods and they renamed them. So, yes, that's what I was going to ask you. So, we're going to do the Greek version, but Chris knows a little bit more about how, what came first, Greeks or Romans. So, so explain how Greek mythology is and then well, what Greek the Romans mythology did. came long before the Romans were even a thing. And then the Romans came to power and they basically took over most of the known world. Like they were dominating everything. And in doing that, when they took over Greece, they incorporated the gods and so they destroyed some of what they were but then they changed the names so that then those types of people who are already following it which is actually a pretty common practice mm -hmm. over a new nation taking over someplace is for them to then pull it into their own beliefs and say okay well this is now named this but it also has these aspects of it of these things that you understood before and then over time, everybody sort of forgets about what it was and just understands what it is, mm -hmm. you know, these Roman gods. So it's very clever of the Roman Empire. And at the same time, very um, terrible plagiarizing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just a good way to conquer. And I don't know if that's a nice thing to say, but they well it's a smart strategy yeah, so you're not saying strategy. good as in i yeah, yeah, agree yeah. with it's this. smart there you go <laughs> it's an it's an Maybe, intelligent you know, don't decision. go conquering everywhere but <laughs> if you are gonna do it be smart about it don't take a culture and rewrite it well and so sarah and i talked about this in the last episode a lot of holidays that we celebrate here in the u.s were there's some mixture and in europe as well of it started off as this pagan ritual right. christianity and the was, christianity did the same thing yeah they did they were big on doing that same mm -hmm. kind of thing like romans taking over the greek things and then the christianity taking over all the pagan beliefs in order to not destroy them but to be like hey it's still okay but you're gonna I'm be gonna tweak it yeah you're gonna be this now uh -huh. yeah so like in, for valentine's day they had this big fertility festival called Lupercalia and there was a lottery and you draw a name and then ooh that's your sexual partner for the night woo woo and then when the Christians took over they were like that's not happening but you can still celebrate love and all that but just like with your spouse and so <laughs> and they changed it to St. Valentine's Day which listen to that episode for more on that so without further ado here is our dramatic reading of the story of Cupid and Psyche. This is the story of Cupid and Psyche. According to Greek mythology, Cupid is the son of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, and Ares, the god of war, making Cupid the god of passion. He has large, white, feathered wings and a bow and arrows. Cupid has two types of arrows. One is a gold-tipped arrow that makes people fall in love, and the other 
a lead-tipped arrow that makes people fall out of love. His arrows are strong enough to turn the hearts of both mortals and gods. They have the power to make lovers into enemies and enemies into lovers. Cupid was tasked by many different gods of Olympus to use his arrows to further their own plans and for their entertainment. One day, his mother Aphrodite summoned her son. Cupid, my worshippers are no longer coming to my temples or making offerings to me. Instead, they are worshipping a mortal woman named Psyche. They say that she is a reincarnation of me. How dare they disrespect me so? I am Aphrodite. I am the goddess of love and beauty. This mere mortal is no god. This will not stand. Cupid, my son, I need you to go to Earth and use your golden arrow on this girl, so that she will fall in love with a wretched and ugly creature. Once she is in love herself, they will not worship her, and will return to my temples, setting the balance right. Cupid was concerned for his mother and said, Of course, mother, I will do this so that your temples will be filled with worshippers again. One night, Cupid came to Psyche's room and planned to prick her with an arrow while she slept, knowing that his mother had planned for her to see a donkey from her window when she woke. He felt bad for the poor girl, but he also wanted to be obedient to his mother. Cupid found Psyche sleeping in her bed. He was stunned when he saw her. She was indeed beautiful. He noticed that she had a somber expression on her face. There were tears in her eyes. Had she cried herself to sleep? He thought. I cannot condemn this girl to such a fate. So instead, he pierced himself with the golden arrow, and then he began to form a plan. Psyche hated her beauty and wished it was not so. She was the daughter of a king and queen. She had two sisters who were both married to noblemen. But no man ever dared ask for Psyche's hand. Her beauty seemed to enchant the kingdom, and her parents, the king and queen, encouraged this fascination and were happy when the people worshipped their daughter. However, they failed to notice that Psyche was miserable. She did not want to entice the wrath of Aphrodite, and she did not wish to be worshipped. She wished to be loved. She was ever so lonely. Some nights she would cry herself to sleep, thinking her beauty was nothing but a curse. The king was worried for the welfare of his kingdom and his daughter Psyche. He decided to go to the temple of the god Apollo to seek guidance. 
Apollo answered his cries. He must give his daughter up as a sacrificial bride to a winged serpent creature. If his daughter is offered up on a mountaintop, then his kingdom will once again thrive and prosper. The king was saddened by this news and wept on his journey home. At first, Psyche was appalled. How is it that she was denied a chance to live out the rest of her days? But after some time, she saw how she had the power to help her kingdom. She thought maybe now my life will have purpose. She decided to offer herself up as a sacrifice. But the question still lingered. Was she to be wed or devoured? No one knew. Psyche was dressed in a beautiful wedding dress that could also be her funeral dress. The somber wedding procession accompanied her to the top of the mountain. She said her last goodbyes and was left alone on the mountaintop. After some time passed, the zephyr wind blew and picked Psyche up and carried her into the sky. She was brought to a beautiful mansion. She was told by an unseen voice that this was to be her home and her husband would come to her at night. It was a beautiful home with anything she could ever want, food that prepared itself and rooms with instruments she had never seen before and books with stories she had never heard of. It was magical. And at night, she heard a kind voice in the darkness. Hello, Psyche. Who are you? I am your husband, and you have no need to fear me. I will love and protect you. Why was I chosen? I saw your plight on Earth. I also saw the workings of your mind and how kind your heart is, despite being full of loneliness. I fell in love with you. I will ask again, who are you? If I am to be your wife, I must know who you are. This is the one thing I cannot reveal to you. I will love you and provide for you. I promise to honor you with fidelity. But you cannot know my name or see my face. This is my one and only term. It is the only way that will allow us to be together. If it will help my kingdom prosper and keep me safe, then I will stay and I will honor this request. Night after night, Psyche was visited by her mysterious husband. 
they would talk and laugh and share stories. And eventually, she grew to love him and to trust him. Time went on, and Psyche became pregnant. She desperately missed her family and begged her husband that they may visit her. Oh, husband, I must be able to see my family and tell them that I am alive and that I am going to be a mother. Please, may they come visit me. I don't know if it's a good idea. I know you miss them, but your sisters have jealous hearts. They may try to sour your good fortune out of spite. They are a bit childish, but they are my sisters. And I am so lonely during the day, with you only able to be with me at night. I see you must suffer for lack of company during the day, and it's only natural to want to share news that you are with child with your loved ones. They may come and visit, but please, Psyche, be careful. Psyche was delighted. Her sisters were carried up on the Zephyr wind, and they were immediately jealous of the mansion that Psyche was in. Psyche told them of her life and her husband, how his identity must be kept secret to protect her. They said, Oh, poor ignorant Psyche. How do you know that your husband will not kill you in your sleep? Well, if he wanted to do that, he would have already. And plus, he loves me. He is kind and warm and treats me well. Psyche, maybe he's waiting until you give birth. Then he will eat you. You must protect yourself and your unborn child. At first, Psyche brushed off what her sisters said. But the more time went by, she could not put it from her mind. Psyche thought, how can I have a baby with a man that I don't even know? I don't even know what he looks like. She decided to break the one request her husband had asked of her. So one night, while her husband slept, she brought a candle into their room and slowly walked toward their darkened bedchamber. As the light from the candle spread across the figure of her husband, Psyche was aghast. The man that lay before her was not a man at all, but the god Cupid. She was taken aback by the unearthly beauty of him, so much so that she did not realize hot wax from the candle spill over. Cupid woke suddenly in pain from hot wax spilling on his chest. Ah, my love, what have you done? Psyche replied, I had to know, my lord. How can I bear the child of a man I have never seen? Cupid then told the story of how his mother Aphrodite tasked him to shoot her with an arrow and to bespell her to an animal. 
but once he saw her, he could not condemn her to such a life. He told Psyche how he pricked himself with his own arrow and made a plan for them to be together. He believed that mortals and gods could not be equals, but if she never knew he was a god, then they could be together. You denied me my one request, and now we can no longer be together. Cupid, with tears in his eyes, went to the open window and flew away into the night. Psyche crumbled to the ground in misery. In despair, she wept. In the morning, she was determined to find Cupid and pledge her undying love for him, that they may be a family again and raise their child together. Psyche traveled to the temple of Cyrus and prayed. Cyrus answered her and said, Surrender yourself to Aphrodite. Only she can reunite you with your husband. Psyche fervently prayed to Aphrodite. She asked for forgiveness, for allowing people to worship her in Aphrodite's name. She regretted not having the strength to overpower her parents' delight in that venture. She cried how she wanted nothing more than to live in peace with Cupid and their child. Aphrodite answered her call. Foolish was my son for loving an insolent mortal such as you. I should cast you from this earth for betraying my son. But you do carry my grandchild in your womb. And for that, I will give you the opportunity to prove your worthiness to be with my son once more. You must complete a series of trials, and only after you have completed them will you be reunited. If not, you will never see him again. I accept the challenge, replied Psyche. Okay, so we're going to pause right here and talk about what's happened so far, because this is a very thick story. A lot is happening. So in the beginning, we see this theme of a woman who seeks knowledge, but is like forbidden for it from it. And we've seen that before. We've seen that with Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. because Eve was the one that said, no, I I think I want to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. I want to know that. And so Pandora. Pandora. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you knew anything. Yeah. Pandora's box. Mm -hmm. Talk about knowledge and having too much knowledge. (laughs) I mean, Pandora's box is nearly a direct equivalent to Adam and Eve and eating of the apple. 
So with releasing this, other things become of, you know, having this type of knowledge expands your knowledge into things that you may not want to know about because it's scary. But Mm -hmm. I just think probably the most interesting part of this story is the donkey. (laughs) A donkey? (laughs) I know. That was Aphrodite's choice was a donkey. And the... The closest thing that we have to the original story is it's called the golden ass to donkey because I try to keep it clean. But obviously ass means donkey. And so, yeah, that is pretty golden, though, at least. (laughs) But I mean, isn't that kind of the theme that Greek gods are really cruel to mortals? Yeah, they love to mess with them. It's just like their playground is to mess with mortals and then even to go and have babies with them and be like, oh, look what I made. Uh-huh. Now, a so lot they have of these that demigods. Happens. Like Hercules <laughs> was a yeah. demigod. And a lot of them don't turn out all pretty like Hercules oh, no, 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 no. either. And like there's the, Gorgons and yeah, what about Medusa is Minotaur? Is Minotaur? Yeah. How do I say yeah, it? Yeah, the Minotaur. Yep. That's a cool story. We should do that sometime. So I, I just find it interesting too. That's always something that happens. This immediate falling in love that then Cupid was the one, this God, who who then sees the beautiful woman and falls in love with her. And I don't understand, I guess, why he needs to hit himself with his own arrow. I wondered that too. I wonder He's if he like, just like wanted not, to make sure, like, I'm yeah, really, I'm going to I'm, I'm in love with her, this. I think. <laughs> you know what? Damn, an arrow into me. Yeah, I'm there. Well, <laughs> I do think that there's something really kind of interesting about if you think of him like a character even though like you know he's he's a greek god but like as far as like a story that's being written there's this thing that he does to other people but he he's never done it to himself it's like a bartender that's never had a drink you know yeah i mean it's gotta be curious and the same thing i for psyche to just be like yeah my my in the dark husband and just move along with all of that. And I'm mean, like, sure. Yeah, let's just do it in the nighttime and not see <laughs> each know, other and get all pregnant and sh- seemingly not have any really doubts about it until right. her sisters go. This is kind of weird. Yeah, you want to think about that setup. a little bit? Yeah, I know. So which, which is why. So I wrote this version because I wanted it to be in a language that, well, I could read and understand. Um which is why I included the line, if it will help my kingdom prosper and keep me safe, then I will stay and I will keep those promises or whatever I wrote. Because marriage back then was more of like a contract. Right. I mean, she decided that she was going to offer herself up as a sacrifice, sacrificial bride. Totally tragic. Glad that's not my plot in life. And, and so it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I love this man. It was like, well gotta do it for the people and i'm here and it seems nice may as well have sex (laughs) she's got it's nice to see that she's got this strength to her and then goes to aphrodite for this and she's gonna go for trials right yeah because it's like i think that um i think it's only natural that she would want to know who her husband is and i do think that there's a switch that happens Sometimes when a woman gets pregnant, if there's something not good, it should be like a wake up call. Like, oh, this is no longer just me. So I do like the idea of, oh, I'm having a baby. Right. I don't want it to get eaten by the monster I've been sleeping with. (laughs) Right. Oh, and another weird thing. So he has wings. 
You're telling me that she didn't notice he had wings when they were humpity dumpity? Humpity dumpity. I don't know. I thought it would sound funny. <laughs> I've never. She might have noticed. She was just probably like, "Oh well, oh, well, this is a nice castle. Very Beauty and the Beast esque. That whole setup." Yes, um, Beauty and the Beast is a modern adaptation of Cupid and Psyche. Ba-boom. Mm-hmm. Humpity dumpity. Humpity dumpity. I've never said that. I just Mm-mm. was trying to... I, I trying like to... it. Okay. saying it from now on. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, um, what you were saying, she does have strength to say, okay, now that I know that he's Cupid, he's a god, he was just trying to make sure that we could still be together because gods and mortals aren't really together that much. And then she decides, okay... I want him. I'm going to go beg Aphro- Aphrodite for him back. Yeah. Oh, and another thing so that I want to bring up, Cupid promises her that he'll be faithful, which doesn't happen a lot with the Greek gods. No, they're sleeping with everyone. Yeah. And, and, and none of them seem to care. Yeah, exactly. There's not really like a relationship. The only other one I can think of is Persephone and Hades. Sure. He says that he'll be faithful, but as far as like... The Greek gods go, there's not a lot of monogamy. And so the fact that he's offered this to her is a really big deal. Okay, back to the story. I accept the challenge, replied Psyche. Her first task was to sort a very large pile of seeds in one night. Psyche sorted long into the night until her fingers bled and her vision blurred. Until eventually she broke down in tears. Dawn draws near. How will I ever complete this task? And then, to her surprise, a group of ants came up from the ground and went about sorting the rest of the seeds. By dawn, the task was completed. She thanked the ants and gave praise to whatever God showed her mercy. Her next task was to bring Aphrodite the golden fleece of a wild sheep who had a reputation for being especially violent to any human who dared approach it. Psyche set out to the dwelling of the wild sheep while trying to form a plan. As she got closer, a river god approached her and told her how to collect fleece that had rubbed off from a nearby briar patch. This way she would have no need to put herself in harm's way. She collected the fleece and presented it to Aphrodite. You have done well thus far, Psyche. But your final task will be the most challenging. You must travel to the underworld and persuade Persephone to put a drop of her beauty in a box and return it to me. Psyche knew no other way to travel to the underworld than to die. She paced back and forth and tried to come up with another solution she found none. Determined, she went to a cliff in order to jump to her death. Then an unseen voice spoke to her. 
psyche. Do not end your own life. There is another way to travel to the underworld. She was instructed to go to a cave that was normally hidden from a mortal's view. This cave led to the underworld. She was also told to bring coins for the ferryman, Sharon, and barley cakes for the guard dog, Cerberus. Psyche did so. She traveled to the underworld. She paid passage to the ferryman. And Cerberus was grateful for the barley cakes and allowed her to pass. She walked until she found herself before Persephone, the queen of the dead. She shared her story and of her love for Cupid and how she had come this far in her journey. Persephone felt for the poor girl. She conceded and placed a drop of her beauty in a box and gave it to Psyche. May you be reunited with your love once again said Persephone, and sent her on her way. Psyche traveled back to the land of the living. However, the journey had aged her, and she was ever so tired. She looked down at the box she had been given. She remembered a warning that the unseen voice had given her to not open the box but she no longer looked like the young woman that Cupid had loved. And what had the trip done to the baby she carried? Maybe just a small glance won't hurt. She opened the box and felt a darkness settle over her until she drifted into a deep, deadly sleep. Cupid flew to the aid of his fading wife, her body heavy with child lay stiff. Oh, my love, your faded beauty would not have deterred me from you. I see now that the strength of your heart makes us equals. Then he carefully picked her up in his arms and flew swiftly to Mount Olympus. I ask for an audience with Zeus. Cupid then told the story of their love and how Psyche prevailed as far as her mortal body could take her. He asked that she be made Cupid's equal, as they were equal in their love for each other. Zeus spoke with Aphrodite, who agreed that Psyche had shown her worthiness. Cupid gave Psyche ambrosia, the nectar of the gods, and she was transformed into a goddess and made immortal. Soon after her transformation, Psyche gave birth to a daughter, and they named her Pleasure. Ah, oh, I love that ending. I don't know about y'all, but this is this is one of my favorite stories in mythology. It's nice to have a victory. So a lot of those Greek stories 
like to not have winning endings. They're, yeah, some of them are really messed up. Yeah. And very tragic. And I wouldn't yeah. want to see a movie about it because it would just disturb like, me. <laughs> you're just like, and then lesson learned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't ever piss off a god. Don't ever get under but a spell of a god. It's great that they focus in on Psyche being this type of person who has been so good that others want to help her, including ants. Yeah, ants so, yeah. and the river god and this unseen voice. You never really learn who the source of that is, but she's always being helped throughout this journey. And what's funny is that Aphrodite would have to give her three impossible trials, though they're impossible. Oh. Why not just one? Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not some just doubts like one about trial. the possibility of these trials, I think. Well, I think it like... <laughs> I think it's like more of a quest. Right. Yes. No. <laughs> but it's like impossible trials. Yeah. Three of them, though. You're like, three? Yeah. But I, I agree. I do think that it's awesome that she's being helped. And that she she goes fully intending, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to figure it out. And it's only when she's halfway through, she's like, oh, my God, I don't I don't know if I can do this. And then somebody comes in. Right. And like, and helps her out. I saw some similarities with the sorting of the rice reminded me of Rumpelstiltskin spinning straw into gold. Mm -hmm. This woman was asked to do this task that was impossible, but she got the aid of something else. And then um, it's actually really similar to Cinderella. And I'm not talking about the American version. There's, oh my gosh, every country has a version of Cinderella. There's a website called 365 Cinderella Stories, and it has just that, 365 Cinderella Stories. But... It, it's a story type and part of that story. It's like persecuted heroine 5-10A is there's always a task to do. And then she always has help from an animal. And I think the Chinese version, she's sorting rice and then birds come and help her. But then we see something similar in the American, like the Disney version, where the mice help her with, with the dress that she needs to sew for herself. And so, I don't know, some similar things and folk tales right. for, for ladies and then a similar version of this is in A Midsummer Night's Dream, where a character does fall in love with a donkey and for the majority of the play is in love with a donkey until the spell is broken at the end. So, and from the movie, I'm pretty sure it's Kevin Klein and Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> like, I don't know the characters' names, yeah. but I know those actors because I know the movies better than the plays. <laughs> All right, I wanted to read this part because I thought it was a good analysis. Uh, I wanted to read this from an analysis of this story, which I really like. Psyche remains an unusual example of a female character who acts like a male hero. Although other female characters, such as Artemis, perform traditional or traditionally male activities, none so boldly acts as a hero might, overcoming seemingly impossible obstacles, fighting to win true love, achieving status that is more than human. Just pretty cool. And yeah. mind you, she's like preggers. She's full on pregnant while right. she's doing these things, sorting the rice, like walking around in briars, going to the underworld. Well, thank goodness Cupid finally shows up to help. I know. I know. 
Was he watching the whole time? Was like, no, I don't know. She broke her. She's not there yet. She looked at me. (laughs) I told her not to. (laughs) Well, in some versions, he was recovering from the wax burning his skin, which I find a little weak. If he's a god and some measly little oil from a candle has burned him. Right. I mean, some people I do that for the fun of it. Oh, so. oh my gosh. That's, that's horrible. To each their own. I'm a baby. Yeah. I'm not good with pain. That's where they got it from. It all I'm started there. Cupid and Psyche. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't like those versions. They're like, oh, he's recovered. But yeah, either way, you couldn't have helped her out <laughs> until the very well, end I when mean, she's dying. And then finally, the requesting an audience so that he could get some Ambrosia. Mm-hmm. And it's good to finally see Aphrodite given and like, yeah, eh. sure, sure. You kind of earned that. They were impossible tasks. <laughs> and you manage them. So, <laughs> but it takes um, her son kind of going above her head to Zeus. Yeah. But then cool for her to actually then become a goddess. I know that one doesn't often get achieved either. Yeah. Even uh, Megara with the story of Hercules, she's she's just immortal at the end of mm-hmm. it. And so Psyche means it's Greek for soul, or at that time, that name means soul. And then they had a baby that became the yep. goddess of pleasure. And Cupid is a god of love. So there's love, pleasure, and the soul. And they're just these three together to just mess up people's <laughs> lives, <laughs> trying to balance them. <laughs> <laughs> but you need them all. Yes. You need them all to make it work. So if you're wondering if the word psyche is the root word of psychology, you are correct. Good job. Ding, ding, ding. Psyche comes to represent the human soul's triumph over the misfortunes of life in the pursuit of true happiness. The word psychology was coined at a time when the concept of soul and mind were not as clearly distinct, were not clearly distinguished. It wasn't until the late 1800s that psychology became accepted as its own academic discipline. And you can kind of think of it as like mind, body and soul. Body and soul. Yeah. (laughs) Body being a pleasure part of it. Mind being the psyche and soul Soul being being heart. heart. I dig it. Yes. And the one that coined that term is the one, the weird Sigmund Freud, <laughs> the father of psychology. Yeah. I will give him props for that. I mean, he seemed to find a lot of phallic symbols in regular day-to-day life. But phallic? Phallic? Phallic. 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 I don't really say phallic that much, so now I know how to say it. I don't think I'll bring it up yeah. in conversation though. Phallic meaning penis, right? Yeah. Does it only mean penis or does it mean I think so, yeah. Other parts. Okay. I think penis. Super important information you're learning from the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, relating to or resembling a penis. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) So I'm going to add a picture of this amazing statue on on the the Instagram account. It's it's just very lovely. It's Cupid and Psyche. And it's just it's beautiful. It's very sensual looking but also like not graphic oh i love it so much i gotta show chris very lovely so i like it i like it so much oh 
I really hope you enjoyed this story. I like this story a lot. It's I think I find it very interesting. And it just has all these different aspects of in it that are just these goals of triumph that you can just you can relate to the psyche in a number of different ways, even just of your daily challenges and what's driving you. Mm-hmm. I like it. She's very she's very badass. I know I'm gonna edit that out, but bleep that. But if you're wondering how Cupid became known as the baby, not the hot, handsome god that he was. Cupid, in later writing, became a story plot and was depicted as a cherub to influence characters' feelings. Depicting him as a baby gave him a sense of innocence rather than a handsome young man capable of falling in love himself. Hmm. So it was just easier as like a plot device that this like hee 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 little baby came in. Right. Because if it was this like handsome man that also had a wife and so therefore could fall in love. Well, I think that the probably the cooler thing in this whole story is that Cupid isn't just making people fall in love, but he can also turn people into enemies. He has that power too. I know. I want to read one of those stories. Yeah. <laughs> I want to read that. So, on the next episode, when Cupid makes people into enemies. Oh my gosh, I would love that. If anyone wants to write me a story, let me know. <laughs> well... We have enjoyed this so much. I hope you enjoyed our dramatic reading. I had a lot of fun editing it. And if there is a topic that you want to know about, let me know. Let us know. Message me, the Folklore Friday podcast on Instagram. I am very curious. But yes, let me know. I'm always open to suggestions. And thank you so much for listening. Humpity dumpity. Humpity dumpity. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Chris, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank did, you, everyone. Did you have fun? Oh, yeah. Doing the reading and stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Again, Strangelings, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you join us next time. Toodaloo. Thanks for listening, my little strangelings. I hope you join us next time. Scare you later.